0: his direction for our time today. Father, as we approach your throne today, we do so in the name of Jesus, because of Jesus. We come asking for help. to appropriate the truths that You have already spoken to us through the songs that we've sung and have heard, the truth that's been read, the significance of these candles, that we would know the hope that we have because of Christ. We would experience both the peace with God and the peace of God. And Lord today we pray that you will help us to appropriate the joy of Christmas into our our lives into our celebration. <clears throat> we ask that you would be with those who are facing the reality of of trying to make uh, to make sense of what just happened to them here in in Kentucky and uh, who are who are uh, trying to pick up the pieces of their life. Lord, for those who are believers, that they would keep their eyes fixed upon You. And that they would provide encouragement to those who do not know You in this difficult time. And for all those who, even in these moments, are surrounded by all the festivities and yet feel so alone. And feel... They have no joy, Lord, that you will meet them where they are. You'll bring the encouragement that is needed. Once again, Lord, teach us from your word as we open it together today in Jesus name. Amen. Livia Satterfield Young was 12 was a twelve year old girl in Romanian orphanage, when her life was changed forever by an Operation Christmas Child shoebox. Livia was an orphan for ten years. She described a lack of food, hygiene supplies, and no feeling of love and happiness. She said, some days our food supply was so low that all we had was a piece of bread that was hard as a rock and moldy. We also wore the same clothes for an entire week. We had only one toothbrush, which we shared with hundreds of other children. Livia longed to feel someone's love and warm embrace. She said, I wanted to feel like I existed in this world. That all changed when the the ministry delivered shoeboxes full of personal hygiene items, school supplies, and toys to our orphanage. The same day, an American missionary group came, and Livia met a woman named Connie. Livia says, Before we opened our boxes, they shared with us about people who packed them because they loved us. I was so mesmerized by the word love. And when they shared the greatest news of all, that there's a God, and He gave His one and only Son, who died on the cross for me because He loves me. God made this possible through a simple gift. It sparked so much love, joy, and hope in my life. The same year year that Connie arranged for Livia then to stay with a Christian family in the area, and she accepted Christ as her personal Savior and Lord. She said, I wish I would have had a mega-sized microphone to tell the whole world that I had Jesus living in my heart. Two years later, when I was 14, Connie came back to Romania, adopted me, and took me home to my brand-new family. If you're like me, it's easy to forget that there are children all over the world in similar circumstances. Living in orphanages just like the one Livia grew grew up in. The 128 shoeboxes that you put together can have a similar impact in boys' and girls' lives all over the globe this year. They can experience the joy of Christmas for the first time in their life. See, for them, it's not about the particular gift like it is for many in our culture, right? If we don't get the exact gift we want, man, we we get bent out of shape or we get bummed out or we whatever, for them it's not about the particular gift, it's about what that gift represents. It represents love, a love that came from someone that they cannot see, which reminds us of the gospel, a love from one we cannot see demonstrated to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us it's important that we remember that the joy of Christmas is not found in the gift under the tree. It is found in the gift that hung on the tree, the tree of Calvary. So how do we go about celebrating the joy of Christmas? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because I believe the answer can be found in the biblical accounts of Jesus' birth where we see joy Coming forth, Where we see people proclaiming joy in these biblical narratives. And so I want to invite you this morning, if you would, please open your Bible to Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at a couple of these different places in the, in the biblical narrative. Where we find joy bring, coming forth. And it helps us to know how we can celebrate the joy of Christmas. Luke chapter 1 starting with verse 39. We pick up just after Mary has been visited by the angel Gabriel, and he explains to her that she is going to bear a son. And She asks, how can this be, since I am a virgin? And he explains that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, the very one will be called uh, the Son of God. And then he explains that your relative Elizabeth is in her sixth month. She was called barren. It's now with child. For nothing is impossible with God. And she, she surrenders to the Lord. Behold the bond slave of the Lord. Be it done to me according to your word. The angel leaves. And then we pick up with verse 39. Now at this time Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to the city of Judah. I'm sorry, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias, and greeted Elizabeth. And it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed among women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How has it happened that to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. There is joy. (laughs) The baby inside of Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy at the sound of Mary's greeting who is the baby in Elizabeth's womb. None other than John, who would be called John the Baptist, who we are told back in chapter 1, verse 17, is to be the forerunner before him, before the Christ. He was to go ahead of him. He was to proclaim his coming. We're also told in verse 15 that this, when the angel Gabriel told Zacharias that his wife Elizabeth would have a son, name him John, he'll be great in the sight of the Lord, he'll drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even while in his mother's womb. So here we have uh, John in the womb of Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, and Mary comes and greets her, and at the sound of Mary's voice, the baby leaps for joy in the womb. The forerunner to the, to, to the Lord. The one who would prepare the way. And so we see here the joy of bringing Jesus to our world. John, even in the womb, filled with the Holy Spirit, was filled with joy. But the reality that Jesus was coming and that the reality that he had a special part in this. Even in the womb, the Holy Spirit is there causing this joy. A joy that John would live out as a man. The joy of bringing the message of Jesus to our world. We, like John, can prepare the way. This is one of the ways that we can celebrate the joy of Christmas by preparing the way. By bringing Jesus to our world. Preparing the way. How do we prepare the way? Acts of kindness and generosity such as Operation Christmas Child Shoe Shoeboxes. You, by putting together a box and by sending it through Samaritan's Purse, have the joy of being able to prepare the way for some child to hear the gospel of Jesus. To be open to hearing it because somebody out there they don't know, cannot see, prepared a gift for them. And they get to hear the joy of this Savior who came to the world. We heard this morning about another opportunity through the Gideons to buy this ornament which will place Bibles in the hands of people who will be able to hear about Jesus. Doing something nice for somebody else in Jesus' name is a way we can begin to prepare the way. Praying for someone you know that needs the Lord. Praying that their heart would be softened. Especially this time of year when it is amazing that you can listen to a secular radio station and hear about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the next song could be O Holy Night. Where where else and when else do you, on the same station, do do you hear these things? See, those out there are listening possibly for one thing and yet they get to hear something else. So pray that God will use these things that many see as just part of the tradition, but has a message that if their heart is open, they can hear it. Another way to prepare the way is to begin building relationships with people, maybe in the workplace, maybe in the community that, that you know quite possibly does not have a relationship with the Lord. We, we sometimes don't know what's going on in their life, what they've been through, where, what they, how they grew up. We don't know any of those things, but we can discern that where they may be right now, what we, the evidence looks like, there doesn't seem to be much of a relationship. So we can begin building a relationship with the purpose of earning the right to share with them. So as we pray for them, as we Established relationship. We're we're doing these things. We're preparing the way. Just as John, who leapt in the womb as a a baby inside of his mother for the joy of one day being able to prepare the way. You go to the next passage where Mary is rejoicing in God, because of the privilege she has to bring Jesus to her world, to our world. And she proclaims in, the word, in these words in verse 46 and following, and Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. Why? Because she got to bring Jesus to our world. The word that is used, rejoice, there is the same root word for the word joy in the womb. And it means to leap. Exultant joy. Exuberant joy. And this is what Mary expresses that the reality that God has regarded her humble state and given her the incredible privilege to bring Jesus to our world. Not only like John the Baptist do we prepare the way, but we can proclaim the way. We can bring Jesus to our world by letting people know of this good news, that Jesus has come. What an incredible privilege, and Mary recognizes that privilege, to be the one to bring Jesus to our world. And we're not going to bring Him the same way, but we can bring Him to our world, to the people around us. We can make Him known. We can initiate spiritual conversations to find out whether or not somebody is interested. We're not called to jam the truth down people's throat, but we're called to make it available. How will we know unless we take the risk? And I know that's difficult. It's difficult for me. But as we're praying, as we're asking God for courage, as we're asking God to prepare hearts, as we are building relationships, we take the risk. So what do you think about, what do you think about all this stuff about this baby in Bethlehem? You believe that stuff? Where's your, Where are you in all that? It's a great time for that because, again, everybody is hearing it somewhere, most likely at least in our circles. Another way that we can proclaim Jesus to our world, um, other than the obvious of, of having a conversation, is to think about how we celebrate Christmas, how we go about the festivities as a follower of Jesus, to be intentional about some of the things that we do, making sure that we're we're celebrating the birth of Christ in the things we do. It could be as simple as the, the, the Christmas cards we send out. Is there evidence in that card to the people we send to that we celebrate Christ's birth? Or is it all about all the other things? I want to encourage uh, parents of children to think through how you go about handling all the festivities of Christmas. And, and I believe it is, it is the right of every parent to make sh- decisions about any of those things. I think there's a place for make-believe in this world at times. But I think we need to think about what we choose to do and what we choose to emphasize, we don't ever want to. We, we don't ever want to want to emphasize things that we will have to lie to our children about or tell them later that wasn't true. We, if it, if it happens, you know. It, but we we, we want to be careful again. This is this is for us to consider. What does it look like for me in the celebration of Christ's birth? Because we can get caught up in so much. And so I say we need to. Be intentional and think through all of these things. We can prepare the way and we can proclaim the way. This is the joy of bringing Jesus to our world. Well, then we come to this second passage in Luke 2. that was read earlier in the service. And particularly we focus on verse 10 and 11. When the angel comes to the shepherds out in the field as they're watching over their, their flocks. And makes a proclamation. Do not be afraid, but instead, <laughs> I'm bringing you good news of a great joy which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We see... The joy of receiving Jesus as our Savior. The message that they they bring to the shepherds is a message of good news, of a great joy. A great joy. The word that's used here for joy comes from the same uh, word that we get, the word grace. Joy. Because of grace. Because of the grace of God extended, we can have joy joy of receiving Jesus as our Savior. This birth is good news for all, the angel said. Right? I bring you good news of great joy which shall be for all the people. It means it's not just for the Jews. It means it's not just for the, um, uh, the high society people. It's for the common people. It's for the Gentiles as well. Jesus came to bring good news for all. Because we're all in this boat together, right? This universal problem of sin. <laughs> I came across a, a cartoon, the Calvin Hobbes cartoon. You may have seen it at one point. Calvin, of course, is a little boy, and, and Hobbes is the, the little tiger, his little uh, friend, and they're they're sled riding down this hill. And, uh, and Calvin says, I'm getting nervous about Christmas. Hobbes says, uh, you're worried you haven't been good enough? That's just the question, he says. It's all relative. What is Santa's definition anyway? How good do you have to be to qualify as good? I haven't killed anybody. That's good, right? I haven't committed any felonies. I I didn't start any wars. Uh, Wouldn't you say that's pretty good? Wouldn't you say that I should get lots of presents? And Hobbes says, but, but maybe good is more than the absence of bad. Calvin says, see, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. Maybe God's definition of good is more than the absence of bad. Fact of the matter is, we can't be good enough. And that's why Jesus' coming is good news. Of a great joy, which is for us all. But it's good to know that He came for us all. And, and again, when people listen to the Christmas carols at this time of year, often the conclusion is, yes, okay, I believe Jesus, there's something about Jesus, and and He came and He's He came for us all, and that's that's wonderful. But if it's left there, we can think, well, we're all, we're all just going to kind of enjoy the, the goodness of him as our Savior, all of us. And, and it's just, you know, this uh, it's, it's peace on earth, goodwill to men. It's, uh, that's what he came for, and that means that we're all going to experience peace and this goodwill. And that's what he came for, and we're all going to eventually have it. That's, that's all it is. No, there's more to it than that. It's more than just leading us to warm feelings this time of year, because his birth is good news for you. The angel said, good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people today in the city of David, there's been born for who? For you. To the shepherds, for you. A savior who is Christ the Lord. We've got to understand that Jesus coming to the earth as as the Savior, the good news for all, is also specifically and individually for you and for me. Each of us must make this personal for ourselves. As we've been talking the last couple of weeks about the hope. The hope is that Christ is in us. That is the hope of glory. And He's in us because of our faith in Him. The peace with God is because we are enemies of His in our sin. And we need a peacemaker to bring peace. And He did that. And then we can experience that peace of God as we walk this earth because we have peace with God within ourselves. The joy of Christmas is Christ came to, bring, to be the good news of a great joy. His offering on the tree at Calvary was for you and for me. And we've got to understand that we've got to do something with that, right? We've got to respond by putting our trust in Christ. So there's this joy of receiving Jesus as our Savior, the ultimate gift that was given and then there is thirdly the joy that we see with the magi in Matthew chapter 1 chapter 2 after Jesus was born these wise men these magi came looking for the king the king of Israel and so we have the joy of worshiping Jesus as our king just as the Magi. We read in Matthew 2, 1-12, Now Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in, this, in the days of Herod the king. Behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time the star appeared, and he sent to them, or sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. When you have found him, report to me, and I too may come and worship him. And having heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They came into the house and saw the child with Mary his mother and they fell down and they worshipped him and opening their treasures they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod they departed for their own country by another way. The common thought is that that star appeared when Jesus was born. It took them probably a couple of years maybe to get to get there. A long journey. These were probably wealthy men. Maybe kings, maybe not kings, but they probably didn't just come the three of them. They probably had a whole entourage. And so it would have taken time to finally get here. So we see these Magi traveled a great distance. They also brought expensive gifts to lay at the feet of the one who was born King of the Jews. And they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And they saw that the star brought them to that place so that they could worship at His feet. So there is a joy in worshiping Jesus as our King. As I look at the Magi, I see, wow, well, how did they worship Him? They worshiped with their time and with their treasures. It took time to get there. It took effort. And He is worthy of our time. How do we worship this One that we claim to be our King? We consider what does it look like for me to give of my time for Him. So we we, we should ask the Lord this question in our own own time with Him. Lord, what... (laughs) What kind of time might, might you be asking of me to give as a demonstration of my love and my worth what I believe you are worth to me? See, uh, worship is worth That's where it comes from. We oftentimes deceive ourselves and think, well, God knows how I feel about Him. And that should be good enough. Why do I need to demonstrate it? Why do I need to take time? He knows my heart. But God is calling us to demonstrate our love to Him. So the question is, what kind of time might God be asking of you? as a demonstration of his worth. And oftentimes it has less to do with with what God wants from you as much as what God wants you to give. If that makes sense. In other words, he's looking to see what you will give. He doesn't need it. He wants it from us. Why? Because that is what's going to change us. And so rather than me giving you a bunch of of, of options or or, or illustrations of this, I'm going to leave it up to you to determine, as you go before God, what does that look like? Because for somebody who doesn't have, hasn't been doing anything, hasn't been giving any time, if you will, to the Lord, then one thing is a step. There are others who are, have already been giving time, and you look and say, God, is there more you want me to give, or, or is this the right way to use my time? Is this how you would have me to serve and, uh, and to show my love for you and my worship to you? Is this how you want me to spend my time? And God might say, this is exactly how I want you to. I've led you to this, and I'm, I'm, I'm well pleased with the way that you are using your time. But well, we should be asking the Lord, what does it look like <clears throat> to give my time? And then secondly, He is worthy of our treasures. They brought treasures that cost them something. They laid it at His feet. They didn't get any benefit from what they gave. There's no tax-deductible receipt. And again, there's nothing wrong with, with that. That's the world we live in. But I want us to know that when it comes to giving, it's rarely ever in Scripture about how much we give. But it's always about our hearts in giving. It's not that God is saying, I want you to give everything you have to me. It's that God says, I want you to understand that everything you have is mine. And by you giving a portion back to me, you are demonstrating you understand that. And you're trusting me. Here's what I want to say, this too. If you don't want to give please don't give, right? Because God doesn't need our money. If you don't want to, if you have no desire in your heart to give financially to God's work, whether it's here at this church or to missionaries or other organizations that are serving the Lord, if you have no desire to do that, don't give it. God doesn't need our money. But if you understand that it belongs to Him and that you are only a steward of that, then you ask him, what portion of this that I am stewarding do you want me to give away to this or to that? In honor of our king. Giving is always an act of faith. And again, it's not how much. You see, the widow gave two mites. Jesus said she gave more because it was all she had. Because she was taking the very thing that she needed to exist on and she gave it to God, trusting God to meet her needs. It is something we come before God and we say, Lord, what do you want from me? We have guidance in the Scripture of percentages. I I personally think 10% is a great place to start. Some, Some say, I can't possibly, I can't afford to give 10%. I love the story of the uh, the the, the uh, politician that that came to the chaplain of the Senate, um, and uh, and said, you know, I used to give ten percent, but um, but now that I'm now I'm a politician, I'm making more money. I can't afford to give ten percent. And the chaplain said, well, I'll pray for you. And so he prayed, Lord, make him poor again, so he has enough money to give ten percent. <laughs> you know. Again, it's about our heart. If he owns it all. It belongs to him anyway. Okay, God, how do you want me to steward this? I know some of it's for my needs. Uh, some of it I can enjoy. But man, I need, to, I need to be faithful, to honor you. And so we can ask him, what would it look like, Lord, for me to honor you? With the, with the financial means you've entrusted to me, to us as a family. See, there's joy in that. When we're at the front side of that, it doesn't feel like it. Right? And many people see people like me standing here talking about it saying, I just want more money. I know, I, just, I want you to experience joy. So the bottom line is that Jesus is the joy of Christmas. He is. And as we celebrate Him, we experience the joy of Christmas. As we bring Him to our world by preparing the way and by, pre- by uh, proclaiming the way, we have the joy of receiving Jesus as our Savior. And, 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 and many of us have already done that. But there may be some who haven't yet. There is no greater joy than coming to know the one who gave his life for you. And knowing that, that's the hope. That's the peace. That's the joy. And then there's the joy of worshiping him as our king. We can know him as our savior do we know Him as our King? As the one who's in charge of our life? The one who we bow to and honor with our life? Jesus is the real joy of Christmas. Let's celebrate Jesus. Father God, thank You that today we can think about this. We can... See in these stories the the joy of a baby in a womb. I can't think of too many other situations in the Scripture that that give us a clear indication that what's in the womb is a real person and not just a a glob of of cells. But that baby leapt for joy. Joy heard the mother of his Lord at the prospect that he would one day prepare the way. The mother of Jesus, with all the the difficulties that this would have brought into her life, being pregnant out of wedlock, and and all of the things that, that societally that would have been viewed as negative, she rejoiced at this reality that she had been privileged to bring Jesus to her world. Oh, that we would know that kind of joy, Lord, that we, it would not stop us from sharing with other people because of maybe society's thoughts on this, but that we would, we would move right through that, and the joy of bringing Jesus would override any apprehension that we may have. Oh, Lord, the joy of receiving Jesus as our Savior, who came not just for the world, but for us individually. We might know him personally by faith. And Lord, the joy of worshiping the King. We know from your word that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Lord, help us to get on board with that now and to live in anticipation of that day by bowing our knee and confessing with our tongue daily by worshiping the King with all that we have and all that we are. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for the joy. A joy that is not always expressed in in happiness, but a joy that is deep-seated, that wells up within us, that knows who sits on the throne and trusts that one to do what is right and what is good. Lord, help us to celebrate the joy this Christmas. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.